Once again, my name is Joe. I'm so glad that you're at Mosaic today. If we haven't got to meet yet, I can't wait to meet you. And so I'll be in the lobby after service. And, and man, if we haven't met, come and say hi. And, uh, you know, we'll have our masks on, so I'll try to memorize your eyes. <laughs> and, but it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll make it through this time, and, and we'll get to know each other uh, one way or the other. Uh, but thanks so much for being here once again. In the seat back pocket in front of you, uh, there's a Connect card. And if this is your first time, I would love it if you filled out that. Uh, drop it either, either in the, the offering buckets on the way out, or you can come and give it to me after service. And that's just a way that I can connect with you. I can reach out to you during the week and just let you know, man, we're so glad that you're here and hopefully help you take some next steps um, here at Mosaic. Uh, today, we are going to honor uh, Pastor Dave and Kim through a love offering. And so what that means is uh, after service or even right now on your phone, um, you can give a special offering. When you go on, on our online giving, there's a drop down and there's a couple things there. First is the general fund. And so I encourage you today to, to um, you know, if if you find it in your heart to do two offerings, you know, give your normal tithes and offerings and then uh, give an offering to Pastor Dave and Kim above and beyond your tithes. Um, and because we just want to honor them. They were so amazing. Pastor Dave and Kim, if you're watching right now, we love you and we're so thankful for you. Let's give them a hand. <clears throat> and so, yeah, after service, um, you, can use, you can also use the, the offering envelopes in the seat back in front of you. And, if, and, and so if you've got multiple gifts in that envelope, you can write your tithe thing in. You can write your gift for uh, Pastor Dave and Kim in and just drop everything in the same bucket. But if it's going to Pastor Dave and Kim, be sure and notate it on your giving envelope. It's easy online, but in person, uh, be sure and notate it because we want to be sure and get it. To them, And so after service on your way out, you can give. Online you can give. On the app, it's all over the place. If you need help, uh, let us know. Um, it's my first week in the office this last week. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I kind of feel like I'm, in, I'm a cook in a new kitchen and I can't find the sugar. You ever been there? It's like, where's the spatula? Where's the spoons? I can't find anything. And, and so, I, you know, these first two weeks, I'm just getting to know where everything's at. I'm getting to know you. I'm praying and seeking God about uh, next steps and kind of the first uh, big steps that we're going to take as a church. Uh, but as we do that, you know, there's a lot of things that are just running like normal. And so check out, um, check out the app of what's coming up during the week. Um, one highlight from this past week is um, I got to go to youth group with my two boys who are in youth. And, man, we had, um, I think, around 15 students back in the youth room um, getting to know the youth leaders and, and hanging out and having a good time. We had some kids there that had, had not ever been before. And so I just uh, I want to ask you to pray for the youth ministry as as we, as we uh, get that going and, and pray for the kids as they're back there. Pray for the volunteers, those people that are taking care of your kids. They're so precious. Uh, but today we're going to start a new series. It's called Heart Matters. Heart Matters. What is in our heart always comes out. It always does, right? Uh, and, and so that's kind of the gist of the series that we're going to look at, man, what's the heart of God for our church? Um, I'm going to share with you what's on my heart as, as a leader. And, and, and so we're going to just three weeks kind of look at matters of the heart when it pertains to our church and where we're going and what we're doing. But here's one thing I, I learned a long time ago is that you're okay on your own until you're not. 
Have you ever noticed that in life? You're okay on your own, you know, doing things your way, making your own decisions, figuring out where you're going to go with your life until you're not. In between my junior and senior year of college, I did an internship. A, 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 I was a missions, like cross-cultural studies major in college. And so I did an internship in the Philippines with an incredible missionary. Um, and so I spent three months there uh, sleeping in churches every night. Um, I didn't take a shower the whole summer. It was incredible. Um, <laughs> Just so you know, I bathed. I just didn't have a shower. And so it's just, it's just a little bit different there, you know. And so, um, but it was an incredible summer. Uh, but one day I had a day off. And so, and I was staying with some friends in this town that was right, right by the, the ocean. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go on an adventure today. And so I went down to the beach and I rented a, a kayak. And I had seen this island out off the coast. And so I got in the kayak and I started paddling. And I paddle all the way out to this island by myself. Remember, you're okay on your own until you're not, right? And so I paddle all the way out there by myself. Mind you, I'm 21 years old. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I was really, really smart. And so I paddle out to this island. I got my snorkel gear. I got some uh, food. And I get out there and I go around to the back side of the island. And it's my like own little private cove. There's, it's this uninhabited island. And I'm snorkeling. I'm having a good time. Um, it, it's just like every, you know, guy's dream to just go on an adventure like that by yourself where there is no one. So I'm like, I'm going to see what's on top of this island. And on the back of this island, there's kind of a cliff. And so I start to climb up this cliff by myself. No one knows I'm there. And as I'm going up, I, you know, I'm high enough to where I can get hurt. And what looks like rock starts to crumble beneath my hands and feet, right? And I have my whole life flash before my eyes. And, you know, I, th I, I start to think the big questions like, man, if I die, no one knows where I'm at. I'm just going to be this, this, this college student from the U.S. that disappears in the Philippines, you know. And all these thoughts start to run into my mind and this intense fear grips me. And so little step by step, I back down the side of that, that cliff. My heart is beating a mile a minute. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that could have been so much worse, right? And so eventually I calm down, I finish out my day, I paddle back to shore, and everything's great. And now I have a great story to tell you today. But you're okay on your own until you're not. And in those moments when you're like, man, life's falling apart, I've gotten myself into something I can't get myself out of, you get to this point where you're like, man, I can't do this on my own anymore. You start to ask the really big questions in life like, why am I here? What's really important? When it's all said and done, will my life really have mattered? And, and you know, and man, maybe I should figure out how to live a life that matters and is full of purpose and is what God wants me to live before it's too late. Right? Many of us have come to that point in our lives. Some of you, maybe you're a teenager here and, and, and you still haven't come to that point, but let me tell you, you will. And how much better to arrive at a, at a place where you know what matters and you know that the minutes and the moments of your days are going towards something that really is going to matter when it's all said and done. 
Because remember, what's in the heart will come out. You can't escape it. Every single day, whether the stakes feel like they're high or not, you're making choices based on what's in your heart. And when you get poked by life, right? When the fire gets turned up a little bit, what's in your heart comes out. When you lose a job or you lose a friend or you lose a spouse or you get betrayed or you get left behind or you get tempted or you get pressured or you get, you know, peer pressured, sometimes you just get tired and what's inside comes out, right? And here's what I've learned. When I get in those seasons where I'm like, oh my goodness, I was okay by myself and now I'm not. What comes out of my heart is either emptiness or purpose. Either I will feel this, this gaping hole in my heart where like, I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, I better get my act together and do something that matters. Or when I get poked, what comes out is, man, purpose and direction and confidence that can only come from God's spirit that lives inside of me. And so when we get poked... What comes out? Now, I'm not saying that there's two extremes, like you're either Superman and, man, it's just only God's purpose that comes out of you all the time, or on the other end of the spectrum, you're Eeyore, and it's like you get poked, and you're just like, you know, everything is horrible, and life is bad. No, I'm not talking about like you're, you're one or the other, because sometimes the purpose still comes out, but you have to sort through some layers of trepidation and questions and fear, and like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's about to happen. And as a pastor, I meet people all the time that are living through the filter of past appointments, past disappointments or letdowns and they can't seem to break through that filter and your past pain listen your past pain can give purpose to your future but you don't live through the per- through the filter of your past pain we live through the filter of the cross and the empty grave and so although your past pain can give you um, purpose like, man, you can minister to people that have been with it through what you've been through. Man, it's not meant to be a filter for your future. And so when you get poked, what comes out? I love, I love, love, love how Pastor Dave talked about Hebrews 12.1 last week. It's one of my favorite life verses. It's one of those that I just keep coming back to over and over and over. Let me just repeat it today. Hebrews 12.1 and I'm going to go all the way to verse 4. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily traps us up, trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, right? The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Man, what a great life verse. Man, when I get poked, what if... The same things comes out of my life that came out of Jesus. Endurance and dedication and we're going to fix our eyes. You see, church, the heart of our church, not just our personal hearts, but the heart of our church has to be right, which starts with my heart being right. And then your heart needs to be right. 
And together, we've got to just get on this same page together and say, why are we here? Because when I give my life to Jesus, when I follow his example, he forgives me, he restores me, he redeems my life, and then my life becomes more than just about me, right? You know, man, once that transformation happens, man, I'm, I've been saved, I've been redeemed, and then my purpose aligns with his. See, no one wants to be around someone who makes life all about them. Have you ever been around somebody that's just drama or a critic? It's easy to be a critic, right? You know, sometimes you're around people like that and it's like the shop vac is stuck to your neck and they're just draining the life out of you, right? You know, this is why Jesus was so popular and attractive because he wasn't like that. He was full of purpose. He was full of life. He challenged the status quo. He met real needs. And so hopefully today we can take some cues from our Savior, figure out, man, these heart questions and live lives of purpose. And so why are we here after all that? Why in the world are we here? And if you want to follow along today on your, on your app or on the screens or hope you, hopefully you've brought a journal or something you can take notes in, here we go. Why are we here, number one? Because everyone needs someone who knows their name and what's going on in their life. Everyone needs someone who knows their name and what's going on in their life. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, this is a verse you could easily pass over, but listen, it says, Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, and there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. From this, you know, it's possible to deduce that his mother was a believer and his dad maybe wasn't. And so maybe he didn't have the perfect, you know, pedigree back then of what it meant to just be somebody who was, you know, going after God. But thank goodness, because of what Jesus did on the cross, Timothy had a way to God. And so Timothy had chose to follow Christ and Paul and the believers there noticed Timothy Man, aren't you so glad that somebody noticed you? See, this description of Paul meeting Timothy isn't just something to pass over because there's this, there's this basic human need to be known. God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. The gospel's not a one-way street. It's not like I drop into your life and I tell you about Jesus and I'm gone. That's not the point. It's a lifestyle. It's an expression of God. It's a, it's a community of believers. It's not just a a belief, it's a way of life, it's a relationship. Back a long time ago when I was um, um, in youth ministry, actually I was still in college and I was helping out at a local youth group and man, we were growing and we were seeing new people coming to the youth group and this, this girl comes in, her name was Erin. And Erin was super quiet, she didn't talk to anybody, she was just super reserved. And, and one, of the fa- one of my most favorite things about that youth group was how outgoing and welcoming they were. And so we began to just talk to Erin and pull her in and, and ask her questions and pepper her with questions that she didn't want to answer. And, and she was so shy and so just, you know, it, uneasy. But we just kept at it. And week after week, we're just, you know, talking to her and like, man, Erin, we know you and we want to know what's going on in her life. Just a few weeks in, the youth pastor received a letter, and it was written from a student, and it was anonymous, but man, from the writing in the letter, we knew exactly who wrote the letter. Aaron wrote the letter. 
And Aaron shares in that letter how she was at the end of her rope. She was contemplating suicide. She didn't think anyone cared. She didn't think anybody saw her or knew her name or what was going on in her life. But because somebody took the time to get to know her, she changed course. And man, to watch the, the transformation over the next uh, couple years of watching her come to know Jesus and, and, and find her identity in Christ and, and realize that, man, because Jesus knows her, that's enough. What an incredible thing to see. And church, no matter what background you have today, just like Aaron, just like somebody saw Aaron and knew her name and what was going on in her life, Jesus saw you. When he was on the cross and he was bleeding and he was dying and he was pouring himself out for all of creation, he saw you and he knows your name and he knows what you've been through. And although you might walk through the halls of your work or the halls of your school or maybe even the halls of this church and you feel like no one sees you and what's going on in your life, you have a savior who knows your name. He knows you. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He said, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Church, this is the heart of God. Not that we would just be like dive bomb evangelists and we're like, here's the gospel, see ya. That's not the point. The point is that we share the good news of Christ, that you can have your sins washed away because of what Jesus did on the cross. You can have life eternal with him. You can have purpose in this life and the next. And guess what? We get to do life together. Why? Because everyone needs someone who knows their name and what's happening in their life. You and I have this incredible opportunity as the church to be an in-person, real-life representation of what Jesus did for mankind on the cross. You see, the most precious things in life are sitting all around you right now. At work, the people sitting around you, in your neighborhood, the people living next door to you, even that jerk at work. Those little ones you tuck in every night. Man, people are precious. They are the only thing that you will encounter in this life that will be with you in the next. Everyone needs someone. Philippians 2.6, I love this. This is just a good guideline for man, for, for our attitudes when it comes to this point. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. What does that tell me? He went first. He went first. He showed up. He loved sacrificially. He laid down his life for others. Some of you are like, man, no one ever talks to me. So no one ever, you know, acknowledges me. You know what? Jesus showed up and he said, you matter. He went first. And so as a church, our heart should always be, man, if I'm going to follow Jesus, that means I'm going to go first. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to love. I'm going to make sure that everyone in my sphere of influence knows that I know their name 
and what's happening in their life. Jesus showed up. He loved sacrificially. He laid down his life for others. Church, the world doesn't need just another Christian who just checks Sunday off the calendar. The world needs Christ followers who care, who see, and engage. Amen? Secondly, why are we here? We're here because everyone needs someone who loves Jesus and sets the example. Everyone needs someone who loves Jesus and sets the example. In 2 Timothy 3.10, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. See, it wasn't just enough for Paul to see Timothy. He wanted to set an example for Timothy. And I have to believe that if Timothy didn't have an example to look to, he wouldn't have grown like he grew. But here's the deal. A lot of times we're like, man, the church should do this. Or, man, my pastor should do this. Man, it's really easy to say that, isn't it? But here's the deal, church. Once you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you become Christ's ambassador. And you get to share in this opportunity, this incredible opportunity to be an example to other believers. See, I am that someone to set an example. You are that someone to set an example. You might say, Joe, I've known Jesus like five minutes. You know what, that's okay. You do your best. Set an example. See, this is a matter of the heart. Man, when I get poked and when life happens, am I going to just be like, oh me, or am I going to say, God, help me be an example through this? That is a huge heart shift because, man, when stuff happens to you and you know people are watching, not in a bad way, not like here I am in a bubble and everybody's watching me, not like that, but like I get to represent Christ. Man, when I walk through this storm in life, I get to represent Jesus. And when people look at me, they should see at least a glimpse of Jesus. You see, sometimes the best thing that you can do to love someone else is to love Jesus. Why? Because I really believe that you can't love someone else the way they need to be loved without first loving Jesus. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. And so if you're not spending time with Jesus and loving Jesus and sitting at his feet, what do you have to give to other people? Part of being a great leader is being a great follower. And you don't have to be 100 steps ahead of people. You just need to be living a life of obedience to people or to obedience to Jesus. And here's, here's an easy tagline maybe to help you. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. I'm going to lead the way. You might say, Joe, I'm not a leader. Listen, the moment that you have allowed Jesus to save and redeem you and you've given your life to him, you become an example. We get so hung up in this country with what everybody else is doing, what everybody else should be doing. Man, we are a society of finger pointers at this, at this point, right? You know, in politics and sports and, and all this stuff, we are pros at pointing fingers. But listen, church, when it comes to you and your relationship with Jesus, you are not responsible for what God is doing in someone else's, else's life. You are responsible for your contribution. 
Paul's greatest contribution, I believe, was being completely devoted to Christ, all in, 100%. Kind of like when he said in Philippians 3, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's setting the example, it's all about knowing Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said this, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Why? Because everyone needs someone who loves Jesus and sets the example. Can you imagine what could happen if our church was full of people taking that kind of personal responsibility? Too many times our responses are like, you know, I can't because they don't, or I can't because my people won't, or I can't because my spouse won't, or I can't because I can't, right? We're full of all kinds of excuses. But what if we collectively said, hey, we're not going to be perfect, no one is, but we're going to do our best to be an example. I'm not going to point fingers at anybody else. I'm going to say, as for me and my life, I'm just going to do my best. What would happen if we collectively decided to just, man, bring it back to simple things? I'm going to spend time with Jesus every day. I'm going to consume, breathe, and live God's word with tenacity. I'm going to make choices every single day that align with God's word. And I'm going to give the same grace to others that Jesus has given to me. What if? Number three, why are we here? Because everyone needs someone who helps them take their next steps. You see, it wasn't enough for Paul to just know Timothy's name and what's going on in his life. It wasn't enough for, for Paul to just have a great relationship with Jesus on his own, although that is the first and most important thing. But then Paul had to translate that into leadership in Timothy's life. Because everyone needs someone who helps them take next steps. In Romans chapter 16, verse 21, there's a somewhat obscure reference that Paul makes to Timothy. It says this, Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings. So listen, in Acts chapter 16, Timothy is just this young guy that just got saved, right? And then, fast forward, Romans chapter 16, Paul is name-dropping Timothy to these people and saying, hey, he's my fellow worker. Paul, the one who wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else that we read today. Paul, this amazing apostle, and he's calling out young Timothy and saying, hey, he's my fellow worker. How amazing is that? What kind of hope does that give you about your life in Christ? Because at some point, as a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, church, we're, we're going to go from pupil to peer. Right? That's what Timothy did with Paul. He went from the pupil to the peer. Some of you are like, man, Joe, that scares me to death. That scares me to death that I would ever, you know, you know step out and do things like those really spiritual people that do X, Y, Z. Right? But how did it happen? Because somebody helped Timothy take next steps. 
check this out. There's a chance that you've heard this, the, the first part of this passage, 1 Timothy 4, 12. But listen to the second part in verse 13. So the first part, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example. Remember, we all need someone who sets the example. Be an example to all the believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith, and your purity. And then, listen, specific. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. I love this because in the midst of a principle that we can all take in our lives and be an example, Paul has given some specific guidance to his man, Timothy. Hey, here's what to do specifically, specifically. You know, sometimes there's this attitude amongst church people. All I need is Jesus in my Bible and I'm good to go. You know, I, oh, I don't need all those systems and processes and things, and I don't need the church. I'm good with just me and the Scripture and the Holy Spirit. And that's a half-truth statement because, yes, you need all those things, but every single one of us needs someone that is going to help us take our next steps One thing that I love about Paul's instruction is, this, is some of it was be and some of it was do. Some of it was be, be an example, live a life of purity. And then some of it was, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Have you ever been given an assignment in class and felt as though everyone knew how to complete it, but you were clueless? Or is that just me, right? That was like all of my school life. You know, the assignment would come and I'd be like, I think I know where they're going, but I'm really not sure. And so, you know, I asked a lot of questions and sometimes I just acted like I knew what I was doing and, and tried to get by. You know, my kids, Jason and Levi, they, they went to school for the first time here in Milford on Friday. And, um, and so, you know, kind of, kind of nerve-wracking, like showing up and not knowing anybody. And it's even a little bit more nerve-wracking because everybody's got the mask and, and Levi's carrying his little trifold divider that he sets up on his, on his desk. And so it's like, hey, over there through the divider and the mask, what's your name? It's just kind of like, oh, what do I do? And so you got a question on the Chromebook. You know, it's these devices they use these days to do all their schoolwork and everything. And it's like, um, and so having to ask questions and not sure, hey, you know, you remember that feeling? Like, I just don't know what's next. Right? And as my kids went to school, there were some things that were clear. There were some things that weren't. Thank goodness there was someone there to show them next steps. A counselor, a teacher, a friend. You see, the essence of leadership is helping someone get from here to there. And so whether you hold a leadership position or not, that is not the point. You, today, no matter where you're at, you can help people in your sphere of influence get from here to there by encouraging, by propping up, by pointing out, by inviting. Pay attention to the spiritual growth of the people in your span of influence. If you're a parent, it's your kids. If you're a youth leader, it's your youth. If you're a kids leader, it's the kids. If you're a friend, it's your friend. Pay attention. It doesn't mean you're responsible for their spiritual growth, but you create an environment where it can happen. Right? Now, let me give you a little warning. The worst thing that you could ever possibly do 
is come into someone's life like you're the man or you're the woman and, and you're, I'm going to help you grow spiritually now. It's not the way to do it. You never walk into somebody's life without influence and start acting like you have it, right? But you operate within your span of influence and how can you be strategic? How can I encourage? What's the next step? Maybe it's attending church. Maybe it's Bible reading. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe it's stepping out and serving. And as the pastor here at Mosaic, I'll be working on pathways corporately But until then, and as we kind of figure all that out, let's get the ball rolling together. Grassroots, help someone, build some influence. Be Jesus to someone else and encourage them along in their journey. I love what Colossians 1.9 says as we close today. Paul said, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. Now, man, if you're warning and you're teaching, but you have no wisdom, that's a recipe for disaster. And so you're leading and you're guiding towards next steps with wisdom and relational intelligence. And so we want to present them to God, perfect in the relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. You see, Paul knew that it wasn't on his own that he was going to help people take next steps. He's depending on Christ's power within him, and he's devoting his life to helping people grow in their faith. Church, this is not just the job of a pastor. When we get poked, what comes out? We're helping people, we're setting an example. We're making sure people feel known. We're knowing that Jesus knows, know, knows us. Listen, you can never go wrong as you implement these things in your life. You can never go wrong with a humble attitude. With a humble attitude. With how you interact with people here at church. With how you help people take next steps. With how you talk about life and following Christ. You can never go wrong with a humble attitude. Because sometimes when you think about these things like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be an all-star with this. I'm gonna help every, I'm gonna know everybody's name. I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna help them take their next steps. I'm gonna be the most amazing example for Christ that has ever walked the face of this earth, right? Sometimes we're like, man, I'm gonna do this. We get fired up. And it's like, hey, have a humble attitude. Have a humble attitude. In Philippians 2, 2 through 4, it says, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, if there's any comfort in his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate, then make make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Church, like I talked about at the beginning, man, when you get poked, is it all about you? Is it all about what's going on in your life? Maybe today we make that adjustment. And man, God, I've gotten myself up on this cliff. I've gotten myself out on this edge. I've gotten myself stuck in this situation and I don't know how to get out. And God, I was okay until I'm not. Maybe you're in that first seat this morning and you just need Jesus. 
You need to know that Jesus knows your name, that there's a Savior that died for you on a cross, rose again on the third day, has made a way for you to live life with purpose. And you're like, God, I just need to surrender my life to you today. Maybe that's, your, maybe that's where you're at today. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me and you say, Joe, that's me. I've been okay, but now I've realized I'm not. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I need to know deep down in my heart that he knows me. He knows what's going on in my life and he wants to forgive me and redeem me and set me on a new path. If that's you today, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you, church. Amen. 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 If you put your hand up, you can put it down right now at your seat. Invite Jesus in your own words to take residence in your heart. Confess your sin to him. Believe that he rose again from the dead and commit to live the rest of your days for him. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Joe, man, I've been following Christ for a long time. But man, I'm convicted today that I haven't been a good example. That man, when I've been getting poked it's not love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and all the fruit. Of, the fruit of the Spirit aren't coming out of my life. I'm not being a good example. And Joe, when you talked about being a good example today, that really jumped out at me and I need to be a better example. Just raise your hand today as a commitment to Jesus and saying, God, I want to be a better example. That's me. Help me, Jesus. Amen. church all together as one body I think that we all make this commitment together to say Jesus I want to be somebody that helps other people take a next step church you don't need some badge you don't need so, some pin to start talking to people about Jesus the moment you cross over from death to life which means you've given your heart to Christ you're a new creation in him you can start inviting you can start talking to your neighbor. You know, maybe your neighbor doesn't come to church next week, but maybe you start a relationship with the intention of someday seeing them walk into the doors of Mosaic. Man, me and Jolie, over the years, we've had neighbors, we've had friends, and man, we talk about all the time, man, we cannot wait for the day when they enter the doors of our church. There were some neighbors that we would talk to and pray for for, for five, six years or more. And can I tell you, when you walk th watch them walk through these doors for the first time, you're like, God, you've given me purpose. You've given me life. You've given me a reason to live because you're helping people take steps towards Jesus. And there's nothing simpler or better than that. And so Jesus, we lay our lives at your feet as a church. God, help us set an example. Help us help people take next steps. Give us awareness, God. Help us to see opportunities. Let the Holy Spirit just speak to us on a regular basis. Help our hearts to be sensitive. God, we know you're speaking. We know you're leading. So much of the time, God, we're out of place and we're not listening and we're not paying attention. 
God, help our hearts and our minds and our lives and our eyes to be sensitive to your spirit. We want to be used by you. We want to come with a humble attitude, Jesus, and say, God, use us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you are here today with us for the first time, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And as I get started here at Mosaic as a pastor and as we, you know, figure out, man, what this new rhythm is going to look like together, man, I just want to invite you to be a part. And if, man, some things didn't make sense today, that's okay. I just encourage you to keep pursuing Jesus because what we're about here is helping you take next steps towards a life with Jesus. And so keep coming, keep listening, keep kicking the tires, keep doing what you got to do to figure out where you're going and living a life that matters. Amen. Amen. A a couple of our elders will will be here up front. I'm going to pray and bless you and dismiss. So they'll be up here if you need prayer, you know, for anything. Maybe you just like, I don't even know why I need prayer. I just feel like I need prayer. They'll pray for you today. Um, And so you can come get prayer. Otherwise, we'll be dismissed. And I just want to challenge you as you leave this room, or even maybe before you leave this room, to get to know somebody that you don't know, to get around the room a little bit and meet somebody. Maybe you even go crazy and you say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee out here at Motley Brew? And um, and just talk. And, And don't rush to leave. You know, start building relationships here in the body of Christ. And um, I'm going to be out there. I'd love to meet you. And once again, thanks so much for being here. Let me bless you. God, I pray for your people. God, I pray that you give them strength and courage and guidance and direction as they leave and go back to work tomorrow, go back to school tomorrow and seek you and get into your word and, and, and let you lead them and guide them. God, I pray that you bless them, bless their families, bless their finances, bless their, their work, make them prosperous. In Jesus' name, we just lift up our lives to you. Amen and amen. Amen. You're dismissed.